Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm welcome Josh. Welcome to Paradox. That's Josh. And you are? Oh, Jimmy. And we are so excited to have Bree McCoy on with us. Bree, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Now, Bree is a author as well as a blogger. Most of her work can be found on her website at OurSavoryLife.com. She also is a contributor to the Compassion International blog, as well as a contributor at Gracetable.org. And latest, she, yeah, she's got a new book coming out. Yeah, her latest book is entitled Come and Eat, and it can be picked up now wherever books are sold. And it's a celebration of love and grace around the everyday table. And Bree, I just had a question. Were you intentionally named after cheese? I was not, but okay. I wish that was my namesake. Well, I know, because you're writing about food. I just assumed your parents were going, I don't know, Brie, provolone. Now let's go with Brie. I like that. <laughs> That's the weirdest intro ever. Brie, tell us about your book, Come and Eat. My book is about getting to our everyday tables more consistently. And I really wrote it from a place of not doing a good job of that. After I got married, my husband and I, he is in the Air Force. We both had very demanding jobs. We were traveling a lot. We were working long days. And the time that we had together was in the evenings, but we were so tired. We were mentally tapped out. And so even though that time was for us, we were taking our food and sitting down in front of the TV and then going to bed. So after a few months of that, we really realized that we were forgetting each other and we were becoming very disconnected and distant and we wanted to change that. And so my husband is actually the one that came to me and said, hey, I know that right now maybe we can't change our jobs or we can't change the hours we're working, but what if we start coming to the table more consistently every evening? And at first, to be honest, I really did not like that idea. I was like, my show's and I'm too tired to go to the table at the end of the day. But he said, let's just try it. Let's just try it for 30 days. And so I, I said, okay. And the first few times we went to the table, I'm not going to lie, it was awkward. I was still tired. He was still tired. It didn't change the fact that we were exhausted. And were you still were you upset that you were missing the bachelorette? Of course. I mean, okay. <laughs> How was I supposed to go on with and then week with I didn't know what was going on? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, what is life? What is life? Uh, so we we just were asking kind of the same tired, boring questions. You know, how was your day? What do you have going on tomorrow? And so we found, okay, we're showing up at the table, but it we're still not really engaging. And so we realized, hey, there are no rules here. Let's let's make our own rules for our, our table. And so we started bringing. We bought. We we brought a um, Q and A book to our table, 
and we just left it there. And so that helped inspire questions. We actually purchased a textbook on food pairing because we both really love food. And so it was fun to go through that together, and we just got really creative. And within a month, we realized that we had completely rediscovered each other. We were connecting more. We were relearning each other's communication styles. It just completely changed the game for our marriage. And so I realized, hey, there's something to coming to our everyday table. And I think that our culture has lost a little bit of that. Lost a little bit of that. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, even as you spoke, my wife and I have committed to do that type. We have small kids, so our dinner table is kind of ridiculous, but we do once a week, uh, Sunday evenings for a couple of hours without electronics, we sit and we connect. I can't imagine that has brought a wealth of benefit to our relationship. I can't imagine being able to do that every evening, just how connected you, not that you're without problems, but how connected you guys are and how in tune you are with one another. And that's something that I really love that you shared, because when I wrote my book, I don't have kids. We don't have kids yet. And So I really went to my close friends who do have kids, and I didn't want to put something in my book that parents, especially parents of young kids, might be like, this is, that's good for you. It's not going to work for me. And so I really explored that a little bit in my book from the research of my mom friends. Like, you know what? Once a week, like even once a week for us would be huge. Absolutely. Or um, even honoring just maybe it's not going to be, I'm not in a season of life where I'm going to have these really deep, rich conversations while I have, you know, a two-year-old at my table, but I can honor the time. Maybe it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes. I can start honoring that time. Now, I am personally sort of consumed with guilt right now since we had Uber Eats bring in Chick-fil-A for lunch here <laughs> to the office, and we did not sit around our conference everyday conference table and have, you know, a home-cooked meal. But what does, you you say you have a 21-day adventure at the table. What is that? So I really did not want to write a book with this message and then tell everyone, okay, go figure it out for yourself. I wanted to give them Mm -hmm. the practical tools to start it in their own homes. And so it was very important to me. In fact, I talked to my publisher about this. I want to offer I want to offer them exactly what they need to get to their table. So the 21-Day Adventure offers 21 recipes, and it even has a really easy grocery list you can just rip out of the book for those 21 recipes to use when you're at the grocery store. And then each day has questions you can ask at the table. So if you are having a hard time coming up with some creative questions, there is some questions. And there's also a prayer every day for the table. So really... I am just putting everything into your hands and then letting you go for it. And I explained in the 21-day adventure that I want every person to consider their season of life and decide, are we going to do 21 consecutive days? Are we going to do two days a week for 21 day of the 21 days? So I really leave it up to them to come together with their family and decide what that's going to look like for them. You know, Josh and I are both family therapists, and it, it, one of my pet peeves is how Our families, when we get home, the thought is, hey, we're all going to come home. But then we get home and we then scatter within the four walls of our house. With our electronics. With our electronics. And most parents, couples kind of bemoan the fact that their family's not spending time together. And yet we keep providing them the technology to not be together. 
we, we talk about the decline of mealtimes in the 21st century having serious effects. In your estimation, what has the cost to the family been by losing this family mealtime at least once at the end of the day? Well, actually, I did some research on that because I was like, I, surely this isn't just an idea I have. And I found the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University did a study, and they found that kids and teens who share family dinners three or more times per week will perform better academically. They're less likely to engage in risky behaviors like drugs and alcohol and sexual activity, and they have better relationships with their parents. So I think there are so many things in our world today that are on the rise, like addiction and suicide and depression. And I really believe that we can bring those numbers down if we just start consistently coming to our table and truly investing in our families and the people that God has put in our lives. You know, this is a book, yes, about food, but it's it's certainly about relationship. Not only relationship with other people, but I, I would assume at some level relationship with self in all your research, did you ever see anything or, or, or dig up anything regarding just the unhealthy relationship people can have with themselves and food? Actually, I did not. I think that's a great question and did think a lot about that while I was writing it because I know that there are some people out there that do have an unhealthy relationship with food. And so I was I really wanted my book to focus on and I talk a lot about that the food is in the background. The food is in the background. It's about coming together and it's about being with people together, being vulnerable and open. And so I did not do research on that aspect, but I also, it was in my mind. So I made sure to be clear that food is not supposed to be in the forefront. Food is not what we're having the relationship with. It's the people around the table. Ooh, that's actually very, very good. That's very good. The food is in the background. Recording Our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. You know, you talk about cooking and sharing meals with family and friends and then complete strangers. What is that aspect of this? That I mean, that's something that would cause a lot of people just to take a giant leap outside their comfort zone. That is actually a huge part behind why I wrote this book. And that comes from what Jesus did. So Tim Chester wrote a book on food also. And he says that in the Gospel of Luke, you either see Jesus on the way to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. And 
that really piqued my interest. And as I started to, while I was writing this book, I really looked into the Gospels. And there are very few times that Jesus is not engaging people around a meal. And I thought it was very interesting that the Savior of the world came to earth and went into an average home and pulled out a chair and said, you know, pass the veggies, I assume is what he said. Um, So I, I looked at, okay, who is Jesus eating with here? You know, the Pharisees really gawked at him many times because he was not eating with them. He was eating with people who were notorious sinners, people who had a lot of shame, people who were very broken. And it occurred to me that Jesus wants those exact same people at our own tables. And so I, my husband and I have been very intentional. We, we really believe that if we want to share the love of Jesus to a hurting world, we do not have to complicate it. We don't have to go to Africa if that's not what God is calling us to do. We don't have to go create a huge event or another ministry, not to say that that is something that God calls other people to do, but maybe he's asking us to just bring the outsider to our table, just like Jesus did. And so we, we've really gotten out of our comfort zone, and this is not easy for us. I don't think it's easy for a lot of people. I'm an extrovert, and it's still not very easy for me to go and engage in my neighborhood and, you know, meet new neighbors and just bring them to our table. But we do it because we want to share the love of God to the people in our lives. And so we started small, and I really stress that to a lot of my friends when I talk about it. You know, start so small. You don't just have to one day go out into a street and see a random person and bring them into your home. You know, maybe start with, for you, maybe it looks like starting with your neighbor. Or maybe for you, it really does look like, hey, I never bring my teenage son to dinner. Like, or he never comes to dinner. And so maybe it just, it starts there. And I promise you, God loves working in the small. And when he sees you take the tiniest little step, he's like, oh, I got you from here, you know? So that's where we kind of, we started small, small, small. And then we've gotten to a place where we have had complete strangers at our table. And how did those conversations go? They were awkward at first. Well, I should say every, they were different for different people that we engage with. You know, we've had some really quiet people at our table. We've had some, my favorite is when, you know, they want to share a lot of their stories. But we have just become very comfortable with quiet, and we've become very good at learning the art of asking good questions, which I feel like is something that we're never really taught. How do you ask a good question? Absolutely. Um, so Jeremy and I have really studied what's a, what is a good question? How do we become curious about the people at our table? And so some of, some of the people we've had around our table, you know, it's quiet, and it doesn't matter how many questions that are coming at them. It's quiet, but we have not had one of them leave our table and not say, I needed that meal or Mm -hmm. I needed the company. Mm. So you never know what God is doing in the background. And Jeremy and I are like, we're just going to show up. We're just going to show up. Maybe it's not going to be a huge party or a huge celebration, but we're just going to keep showing up. Now, in preparing for today's interview, I took a look uh, at your website, OurSavoryLife.com. It certainly appears to be fairly similar to the book, almost book in website form. Tell us about your website. So on my website, I share a lot of recipes. I am really passionate about giving people easy weeknight meals. And Jeremy and I also typically eat 
very clean or paleo. And so there's a lot of those recipes on there. And I also share stories from, I call it stories from our table. And so those are just to inspire people to get to their own table, start their own journey to their table. And there's lots of tips and tricks, things like to make life in the kitchen a little easier. And I put a lot of yummy food pictures in it because I think that entices people. Oh, yes. And Delicious. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And looking at all the delicious, delicious food pictures, it definitely made me hungry for something other than Chick-fil-A. And another thing that I really like is I think sometimes some of us do get this concept around Christmas and Thanksgiving and this idea that, oh, we're going to bring somebody in that's not necessarily just, you know, a member of the immediate family. And aren't we just opening up our home and our feasting table I love this that it's that's no it's Tuesday night we're doing this. You know, not just on some big special occasion, but it's 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 opening up our everyday table. Bree, real quickly, you do some work with Compassion. I'd like for you to tell us about that work and and your role with Compassion International. It's such a fantastic ministry. Oh, I love I love talking about Compassion. I have worked with Compassion International for 8 years now. And my role currently with them is leader of our Compassion Bloggers Initiative. So I have the immense opportunity to connect with Christian bloggers, and I get them interested in Compassion and Compassion's work. A lot of them actually already are interested. And then I plan a trip. We actually just did one in June to Kenya. And I get those bloggers and podcasters and social influencers on a trip. We go and we get to see Compassion's work firsthand. We're going to the church. We're meeting the children. We're going into the homes of the children. And then we get to come back in the evening and we either will blog about the experience or uh, if we have a podcaster, they'll podcast about the experience or share on social media. Hey, this is Compassion's work. I've seen it up close and personal and it works. And so that's that's what I get to do with them, and it, it's such a blessing to my life. That's pretty powerful. How did you uh, get hooked up with that? Well, I actually started at Compassion as an, as an intern and in the marketing department, and I happened to have a blog when they hired me, and Sean Groves is the one who created Compassion Bloggers, and oh. he was in need of a co-leader, and I was the only one on the team that had a blog. And so my boss basically volunteered me to start co-leading these trips with Sean. And so I co-led with him for several years. And just two years ago, he stepped down to focus more on speaking with compassion and put me in his place. She was fantastic. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time because it's not really about food necessarily. It's about relationships. It's about family. We may be one of a, you know, a, a couple of generations or so that have completely lost this idea of the family gathering at the end of the day and sharing a meal together and what all that implies. I loved uh, when she said, we don't have to complicate this. Like we're not in Africa. We don't think necessarily God has called us to Europe. We're here and we're in our neighborhood, so let's just invite people into our table. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fantastic. And then I love her f- point about food being in the background. Yeah, that's good. That this whole thing is about relationship, not only relationship with other people, but also with yourself. 
and that food never needs to, and I'm speaking to myself being 40 pounds overweight, food never needs to be in the forefront of what we do and what we're about. The book is entitled Come and Eat, a Celebration of Love and Grace Around the Everyday Table. Guys, if you want more information about this show, go to paradoxpodcast.com and click on our episode tag. We'll have links to all of Bree's information um, as well as anything we talked about. If you want to follow us, the show, as well as us individually, Jimmy and myself on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can find that on our website as well. Thanks. Have a See great ya. day. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. A slap on the wrist. If you were actually listening to this the day it drops on Christmas, yeah. you should be with family. You, the family should be listening. But We should have the children all snuggled in their beds <laughs> with visions of Jimmy and Josh dancing in their heads. <laughs>